0: Hello and welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Lee, joined by Billy Derrick and Luke Wyatt, our podcast part of the 440 Sports Network. Our show today presented by the Wash House. If you are dreading laundry day and if it is stealing the time from things you enjoy, let the laundry professionals at the Wash House take care of that for you. With two convenient locations in the Nashville area, just drop off your dirty laundry, and their professional attendants will give you back the one thing you can never have enough of, and that is your time. Within 24 hours, you can pick up your nicely folded, fresh, and clean laundry ready to be put away. Check out washhouseclean.com. Stop in today. Get your time back. Steven Andrews runs that company. He's been a dear friend of mine for about 20 years. Fantastic person. Big Vanderbilt fan. Support the people who support our show. All right, our show also brought to you by the folks at the Murfreesboro Pure Milk Company, a family-owned third-generation milk and ice cream distribution company located in Murfreesboro, a partnership that began 50 years ago with Purity Dairy uh, to provide milk and ice cream to consumers in Middle Tennessee. They supply Southern Kentucky, Northern Alabama, Chattanooga, and North Georgia. They supply not just Purity, but Mayfield, Nestle, and Haagen-Dazs check them out at npmci.com for more information gentlemen we talked about moose tracks you know what i i think the best <clears throat> one i don't know if we've talked about yet homemade vanilla have you guys had the homemade vanilla ice cream i have not i'm a i'm a big i think your taste buds change over time and i was <laughs> a big chocolate guy i still am but there's not a lot that beats a really great homemade vanilla ice cream and man they make one um Trying to, trying to shed a pound or two here, but I, I couldn't help it last night. I was hungry. I went straight to the fridge <laughs> and grabbed the homemade vanilla purity. It was just calling my name, and I couldn't stop it. I couldn't make that voice shut up. But you know what? It was worth it. I'll I'll go to the gym today.
1: Well, now, to Chris, what you're doing to Oreo, you're going to make Oreo fat.
0: By well, feeding- Oreo is already fat. It's a- <laughs> But I say fat. He's he's stocky. He's twenty five pounds, and he is sturdy. Have you ever seen a twenty five pound Shih Tzu? No, I have not. I'm not sure he's a Shih Tzu. I think we <laughs> might have a- sold a bill of goods there. I don't know what he is. <laughs> Ball of energy. My
2: my favorite video is still. I think you posted it Saturday morning of the Wake Forest game. Oreo is is just running circles yeah. around around the den, ready for ready for some football. Uh, <laughs>
0: That was hilarious. Uh, he's, it's like that every day around here. I'm not kidding you. Uh, but anyway, uh, speaking of dogs, Vanderbilt will be one against Missouri this after this this Saturday. Uh, about a 12 and a half point underdog, maybe more than that by now. Um, Guys, we got a lot to unpack today. Um, Luke, I'll, I'll let you start. Where would you like to go first?
1: Well, uh, first of all, the injury situation. You know, with, first year we talked about that that's going to be part of the reason whether we were successful or not. And it's gotten to the point where we're, I think hopefully we're getting a couple of those guys back this week, but uh, we need everybody on board to try to turn this train back on the track. And uh, boy, right now at the quarterback situation, uh, I don't think AJ's healthy physically or mentally. And I, I just feel like Ken Seals will be the starter Saturday. Uh, there's not a whole lot we're going to do until you know, we've we've talked about the turnovers. Last year, this football team ended the season plus one in turnovers, and they had 15 for the entire year. They've already had 11, and we haven't played but five games. So that's a disaster waiting to happen, and it has happened. So until that changes, I've said it before, nothing's going to change.
2: You mentioned the, the injuries, Luke. Uh, Clark said Christian James – Savion Riley, Derricky Wright, AJ Swan, and Trudeau Berry are all questionable. Obviously, I think they'd like to get both Riley and Wright back, but if you can get at least one of those guys back, I think that'll help you. Although I thought House and Sewell played decent to to step in there. Um, you know that not not playing much this year. You know, Clark said he liked that. Jalen Mahoney and BJ Anderson are probable, so it looks like they're going to get Anderson back. Uh, Mahoney, of course, I didn't catch his injury. It might have been in in oh, practice good. or. So so that's how he got injured.
0: Oh no 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 wait, I'm sorry. Is there I forgot there's well, an injury Clark, on top of that. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I didn't know. Clark said he's probable. I, I don't and and the the targeting doesn't carry over. So, um I'll I'll have to look into that. Maybe we'll get Joey on that tomorrow uh, during Clark's availability, but uh, yeah, A, AJ was not comfortable. Um, he wasn't comfortable in the pocket. You know, he wasn't healthy. He looked to be playing at about 60% And the Mahoney ejection, I thought, was huge. You know, for Vanderbilt, you know, there's certain plays early in games that you want to try to avoid, you know, a pick six early, you know, an ejection like that early. Well, you had both of those, (laughs) you know. I I mean, the things that couldn't happen happened. And, you know, you already had Wright, Riley, and Anderson out. So to lose Mahoney like that, I thought, was just a brutal start to the game. Although I thought the defense played pretty well. Uh, Kentucky had 21 points off turnovers, so I mean that cuts their point total
1: in half.
0: Billy is frozen. He is frozen. <laughs> All right, while, while Billy unfreezes, I'll take it from here. Uh, and that's that's quite a face he's making there. If you're watching yeah. this live, um, yeah, I mean t- to his point. Okay, th- they were down basically. I wouldn't call Savion Riley a starting defensive back, but I think he's in the top 11 in reps. And so that's basically four starting DBs, if you count in that, that they had gone in Mahoney Wright, B.J. Anderson, and um, Savion Riley. So so there you go. I mean, Mahoney misses 57 and a half minutes with the targeting ejection. Um, Yeah, I, I mean, it's just – it was – it was – not as bad as this video looks right now. There we go. Billy's coming back. Hey, we missed you there, buddy. Sorry about that, guys. You got me? We're off to a roaring start here today. Um, <laughs> people listening on audio are, are going to have no idea what we're talking about. But, yes, I was Billy, I was commenting about how basically Savan Riley plays just about starters reps. So they had, if you consider a secondary five DBs, because you're nickel a lot <clears throat> these days, they had four-fifths of their starting secondary out. Uh, right, but, and yet, yet that wasn't their biggest issue. It continues to be turnovers. All right, the, the last three games, they have given four teams touchdowns on turnovers. So that's twenty eight points right there. They have set teams up another three times inside their nineteen. Another time on this side of mid on the on the Vanderbilt side of midfield, I think, and then I think the other one, I'd have to look it up. But I think, um, in fact, I think I've got it right here. I'll give you the, the exact lines of scrimmages if I can find this because I wrote it down. Okay. Four four TDs that, that came back directly. Wake Forest interception gave Wake the ball at the vanity 10. Another interception gave the ball to Wake at the vanity 41. Uh, UNLV, an interception that gave uh, the ball to UNLV at the vanity 28, an interception that gave the ball to – UNLV at the Vandy 19. Excuse me, that was a fumble. And a fumble, uh, th- th- this is the worst one in terms of field position or the most advantageous to Vandy once you turn it over. UNLV got the ball, and it's 44 after a fumble, and then another interception at the Vandy 12. So that's that's nine turnovers mm-hmm. right there. Four of them went for touchdowns, four on the other side of midfield, and one was pretty close. Um, now, now I think this team's got – Here's my stance on it and and Luke, your thing has been it's just turnovers and and i I sort of agree with you on that, but at some point it falls back on coaching if you if you can't put guys out there that take care of the ball, that's either on your decisions or your failure to develop alternatives. And I felt like when we listened to Clark Lee on Tuesday, so some guys were being put on notice, I think was a good way to put it. Um, would would you guys agree? I'll start with you, Luke.
1: I, I do, but now, and I hate to say this, but it's true. And and you can figure it up real quick, Chris. What percentage of those terms are directly related to AJ Swan?
0: Well, seals lost a fumble. Uh, that's one of them. I think. I think the one that Ken fumbled away was returned for a touchdown. Right. Right okay so that that one's on Ken seals uh three of the pick sixes were on AJ Swan and, and the the one the first one Billy you were sitting right next to me in the press box and and they they do this play and I think it just was typical of this little spell they're in where AJ drops back forever he's got two guys in his face he kind of spins around and his his outlet is this running back who's probably is the crow flies 50 yards away from him 40, 40, mm-hmm. 50. It's, it's a, yeah. a dump-off pass. He's over on the far sideline. A.J.'s on the far hash and just flings it up. And the minute he threw it, he, he'd been looking at Alexander, looked at him all the way. And I'm watching Max Hairston, who's probably 10 yards behind him at that point. And, and we see it, and he saw it too. And that was one of the easier pick sixes you'll ever see. Nobody had yeah. a chance to catch that ball other than – than Max Harrison. And that's just kind of, that sums up everything else. It was, it was, it was your, your safety valve is suddenly a tough throw. You, your quarterback's got two guys in his face, I think. And and he's making a horrible throw that before he even let it go, you're going, Oh no, don't do that.
2: Yeah. Just, just take a sack or throw it away. Right. You know, yeah. you, know you, you got two decisions there uh, because you, you got to have possessions <clears throat> ending in punts. You know, in in a form of a kick, a punt, or a field goal attempt, or a, a PAT, right? Vanderbilt had they've had too many possessions ending in touchdowns from the the defense, from the opponent's defense, and and you just you can't you you can't rebound from those right now with where this program is. Harrison had two pick sixes for eighty three yards, more receiving yards than any Vanderbilt wide receiver. He was Vanderbilt's leading receiver. And he had two touchdowns, so that kind of uh, that's a telling, telling uh, stat there. Um, You you look at his numbers, and Vanderbilt's receivers struggled with drops too. I mean, you know the the lackadaisical play I thought really came out, and and, you know it's hard when you're you know you got that pick six. Obviously, you get down early, fourteen nothing. uh, But Clark said they the offense looked totally different than the defense from from my perspective. I thought the defense was playing with so much more swagger, you know, they were, they were confident. And and that starts with leaders like Nate Clifton, Kane Patterson. Um, I I just, I think the offense needs some leaders to to step up and specifically at quarterback. Obviously that that's where it starts. And it's hard to talk about this team right now because there's so much you want to try to get out there. You know, you've got this stat, you've got this, this thing on the defense, but it's, you know, I can't imagine what the coaching staff uh, feels right now. Um, you know, there's a lot, and uh, it's not just the turnover. Surprisingly, um, and I thought it was interesting how Clark said a lot of the turnover things could be worse, right? And that's that was even more glaring. That yeah, this this could be worse. So Vanderbilt, you know, to be two and three, you know, some people might say, wow, you know, this, this team is two and three through five games. I, I can't expect you know didn't see that, but yeah, to even have two wins with how poorly they have played as a whole offensively, at least care with care within careless mistakes, I think
1: ha- has been, has been something to look at. We all remember the temple game of Derek Mason, the first game, the, the last three games have been a combination that looks like the temple game. Uh, yes. just don't, you know, and, and it's not ideal. You and I kind of disagree on it, basically laying it all at the feet of turnovers. But I don't know how you know or I know how good this team is because we don't we don't know until we play a full football game. Then you'll know what you have. If you can go a, a game where, say, you only have one turnover for each team and you play a team toe-to-toe and then you see what the score is. It's almost like what, what uh, Billy and I were talking about before we got on air – what Gers Gerson? I'm sorry, I may pronounce her name wrong. What she posted, I'm sure everybody saw. Yeah. That. If you took the turnovers, <laughs> from us and took the turnovers away from the opponent, Vanderbilt would be four and one right now.
2: Yeah. The, the if you go back and look at the games, if the points off turnovers were removed for for both teams, here would be the scores: Hawaii and Alabama A&M would be the same. Wake twenty six, Vandy twenty. So, and then Vandy, 25, Kentucky, 24. Now, again, you can't, this isn't, uh, you know, this isn't like a situation where you go, oh, Vanderbilt, you know, definitely would have won, but they would have been in the game in the fourth quarter. One score game. Last, right. The last, you know, the last couple of games with, well, Kentucky and Wake, they were in it with UNLV. Um, but, yeah, turnovers. I, and and the mistakes with with penalties, I, I think they, they cleaned them up a little bit. But, and I hate calling this guy out, but Gunnar Hansen had two unnecessary roughness penalties. Just yeah. just costly, really boneheaded plays yeah. that Can't you know, it. every everything has been costly. There hasn't been anything where you go, oh, they're they're fine. You know, they'll 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 eke through and and, and we won't look back at that mistake. We've been looking back at, at seemingly every mistake uh, with this team. You could say that's that's how the ball has been bouncing. You know, that's fundamental technical, like Clark said. Um, but Clark said it starts with coaching, right? And Chris, you mentioned it. You got to send the right guys out there that, that are not going to make mistakes. And that's where they're at in this season, right? Yeah. Starts at the quarterback position starts. Maybe there's some changes within the receiver room, who knows, but you know, something's got to give here because it hasn't changed since, since the Hawaii game.
0: I want to point out a couple things. First of all, I mean, I I think, you sound stupid saying I thought the defense did some things when, when you give up 45 points. But, but again, that that wasn't – you know, the defense was only on the field for 31 points, and another one dropped right in his lap. Now, I, I will push back a little bit. We say it's just turnovers. Well, like, if, if if Vanderbilt had come out and had been plus four in turnovers and beat Kentucky, you know, Clark, Clark Lee's going to get some credit for that, right? Like, if you win a football game at Vanderbilt, you, you put the – you put the credit on the coaches to some degree. And so here's the way I see it. If, all right, I'll put it, for example, Billy, you work for me. Um, if you go out and do a couple of really dumb things or make some careless mistakes or, 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 you know, cuss out somebody on our message board or something for first time or two, you do that, which, which might be tempting lately. Uh, first time or two, you do that, um, that. Th- that's on you. Um, I, I hire you, I think this is what I'm getting, whatever. You go do that, those mistakes are on you. Now, if I keep you around and you keep doing that, that's on me at that point. And and I feel right. like at some point that's kind of where I am with turnovers. Now, again, I, I think it it felt to me like some guys were put on notice in that one. Um mm-hmm. specificness, specific names weren't named, but you we've talked about the quarterback position. Um, you know, there, there was I, I don't remember how Clark Lee phrased it, but he talked about how the defense, had, I think had played with passion and energy and talked about basically some guys on offense no showed. So I think he's talking about more than one guy here. So in my mind, Clark Lee has started to do that and we can argue maybe he should have done it early. I thought they should have made a change at quarterback earlier than they did on Saturday. Uh, but but that's in the rearview mirror now. I think that's one thing that's going to be necessary. Uh, to, to turn this around going forward, but here's some stuff. And, and I get their schedule hasn't been great, but defensively, they're allowing 5.7 yards per snap right now. Not not great. Yeah. You probably like you see a lot of teams in the league that have also played pretty easy schedules that are under five. But I mean, it, it, it could have been worse. And they're forcing turnovers 2.4 percent of the time. And again, they they played I thought a respectable game against Kentucky with basically four starting defensive backs out. I do feel like maybe th- they kind of got lost. But, Luke, it, it felt to me like they tapped into something. it stretches against Kentucky with the way they called that defense and, and dialing up some pressures. And, sure, Kentucky gave them some gifts with, with dropped passes. But, you know, that that sort of evens out over the years. I remember Hawaii – made some circus catches against Vanderbilt with defenders right there. So I guess it kind of evens out. But, Luke, I felt like if you wanted to take a bright spot from this game, I thought that maybe they found some stuff defensively in in bits and pieces.
1: Well, we have to bring extra guys. You know, we're not getting there with three- or four-man rush. And that's the thing we we were doing. When we brought pressure, we looked pretty good because we got Leary off, off track and off of his timing. There was a point in that football game. I don't know if y'all saw it, but when Devin Leary got popped, his helmet came off and we had come back and made it 24-13 and they were punting to us. We had him on the ropes. Leary was kind of like, you know, I'm not sure about this. He fell coming out of center, tripped over his right guard. Uh, he was shook and rattled and we didn't take advantage of it. And That's that's what good teams do. They'll take that and move forward. Uh, but yeah, we have to bring pressure. Now I'm not saying we have to all out blitz every time, but we have to bring an extra man just about every time we think they're going to throw the football.
0: Yeah. they yeah, just, And I don't know why they haven't done that more often earlier in the year. That's, that's one of my criticisms of, of the coaching staff. Well,
1: I will say this, Chris, now let's go back to the beginning of the year. What did we all say was our biggest concern? Corners. Yeah. Maybe that's why they were hoping to get there with four guys because of the corners. And, you know, I, I don't know. I think we
2: all and I think we all thought they could be able to get there with four guys at at times this year, but they just, you know, they haven't. They haven't been (laughs) able to. And and although I thought I I was looking real close at the film, I thought Wataha, Clifton and Agu. Occasionally, right, they had some they had some some penetration there. I I thought Agu had a had a deflection and maybe it was Wataha. Clifton was in there late in the game. And I know that was when Kentucky was struggling and, and. um, you know they they sent some blitzes too, but I, I think they're those three guys there, Clifton with I think you can build off of a little bit of that. They're still not getting enough. And you saw when when Vanderbilt sends guys, they get they've got some guys that are are physical, right? Ray Davis or uh, not Ray Davis, <laughs> CJ Taylor, right? CJ Taylor and Ray Davis collided on a block. I'm I'm getting lost in the in the, in the Davis vortex, but Ethan Barr also. I mean, Ethan Barr came and, and, I mean, it looked like he might have hurt Leary there, um, upper body there. So I think they've got some guys they like to send. I just think they've got to do it more. And, and I think they know that because, Luke, you told me after uh, after the postgame show, you said, you know, when they when they send pressures, that's they can be a good defense. But when they don't right now, they're just – they're not. You know, they, so they, they've got to.
1: Well, uh, Bill Parcells told me a long time ago when I was a young man and I was all telling him how guys, got blitzed every time he said, "Luke, I would rather have seven pre- I'd rather have seven pressures and zero sacks than three sacks in a game and no pressures." And that's the truth. You don't have to sack them, just be in there and be disruptive and get them off schedule. That's all you have to do.
0: All right, guys, they're, they're kind of up against it right now. Uh, Vanderbilt is going to be a double digit underdog. He's going to be an underdog in every single game left. And and probably double digits. The only question might be Auburn. That's a home game on November the 4th and Auburn cannot score against anybody right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that could be that could be the one I think Auburn will be favored where there will be that, double digits. That might to be, remains that, might to be, a, be seen.
2: that might be a slugfest for all ages.
0: <laughs> oh man. Well, and, and here's the thing guys. And this this came up yesterday in the press conference. For some reason, the the topic of playing Memphis came up, um, which which prompted a look at the schedule for next year, and it mm. is not pretty. So so basically, they're up against what seven games the rest of the year, and then twelve next year. And let me let me give you their schedule next year, okay? Virginia Tech, for some reason, God only knows, they're playing that game at Nissan Stadium. They play Norfolk State. They play an SMU team that is that is on the rise. They play a Georgia State team that's, what, maybe 4-1 and, um, and and pretty good. Then they play at home Alabama, South Carolina, Tennessee, Texas, and then on the road Auburn, LSU, Kentucky, Missouri. They're going to have 19 games ahead, and I, I'm going to guess they're going to be favored in one of them. That's going to be Norfolk State. Yeah. How, I mean, how do they I mean they, they were about to be they they are in danger. I, I don't want to be too pessimistic, man. That the, the winnable portion of the schedule is gone and everything to 2025 looks just horrible. How, how, Luke, how do they get out of this?
1: Well, first of all, I disagree with the winning portion of the schedule. We again we played five football games and we haven't played a f- full football game yet, period. <clears throat> We don't know. We don't know how we will play if we ever have a complete football game where we play clean. OK, let's just talk about we forget who we're playing. If we ever play a clean game, then we can judge what this team is. And to, uh, I mean, right now, what this team is, is a, is a comedy of errors because of all the turnovers. So if we if we don't have that in us to play a clean game, then we are who we are. Right. OK, next year. Like, I agree with that. I, I, if that team were to win four games with that schedule, he ought to get coach of the year. It's crazy how, how uh, you know, I, and I I will, I'll, I'll actually talk to Clark about this and when I get a chance. To, he said something in the press conference yesterday I totally disagree with when he, when he mentioned that Candace, uh, he trusts Candace to make the schedule. No. This is your job and your livelihood they're messing with. You pick who you play. And you can do it. James Franklin did it. There's been other coaches that have changed it over the years. We got out of playing Ohio State when Franklin was here. You have to take command of that. I know he's got a lot of fingers to have to put in dikes. I know he's trying to figure out his team first. I get that. But in the meantime, try to figure out a way to get at least two automatic wins in your schedule. And uh, playing at Virginia Tech in two years and playing SMU and Georgia State at Turner Field that ain't – that's not how you schedule.
0: What are they doing? What What were they doing there? How has this not been – I mean, when James Franklin came in, he's like, hey, burn this all down. Let's get winnable games in our building. Why has that not happened?
1: Well, once again, and I've told people this, Bobby Johnson couldn't do it. They wouldn't allow him to do it because when you change schedules, you have to buy out to, to get out of the game. That's mm-hmm. what Frank got David Williams to do. We spent yeah. probably a million dollars on buyouts, just buying out and changing the schedule. So Clark has to say, look, take a million bucks and we're buying out of the Virginia Tech stuff or we're buying out of the SMU thing. We're not doing this. And we're also not playing Georgia State on the road. No other SEC team's going to go to Georgia State. No other SEC team's going to go to UNLV. You know, that's the stuff we got to quit doing. we got to have seven home games, which I think you said in 25 we do have – or 26 –
0: yeah, let's see. They've got well next year. They've got they got four home SEC games. They got SMU and Norfolk State at home, and then Virginia Tech is not on their campus, but it's in their town. Uh, it it what, what what are they doing playing at Nissan Stadium? I mean, yeah. I mean, it's
1: not that we have a huge home field advantage. In fact, it's at best. A what, what
0: what what was there? Were there even ten thousand Vandy fans in the stand Saturday?
1: I think that's probably what it was. What was the total? I didn't hear.
0: I don't know, but I was staring at a lot of empty seats from the press yeah, box, I didn't, I didn't see a blue.
1: If there was uh, twenty five thousand there, it's probably I don't know seventeen and eight.
2: Yeah, th- that's that's the thing <clears throat> that they're <laughs> they're also battling that right. Not only are they battling, you know, you know, we talk about Coach Mason's players, yada yada yada, but you know the really the fan base hasn't really changed much. I think there was excitement heading into this season, but I think the UNLV loss mentally for a lot of fans was tough. You know it kind of kind of gave them a reason to you know check out uh, you know for the season at least for them in the meantime. Um, but I think an SEC win all of a sudden breeds some life, you know, into the fan base again. Right, as much as a loss can can deflate, I think an SEC win can sort of rise up a little bit. Right now, they need four, <laughs> you know, they need four to go bowling. Um, but Luke, I think if they're able to salvage and and maybe beat some good SEC teams, I think that would say something. Maybe they don't get to a bowl, but maybe they don't go two and ten because I think two and ten would be would be pretty destructive.
1: Oh, I, I agree with that. Now, let me let me bring up one thing, Chris. You said on the last podcast that it had been nine years since Vanderbilt had a uh, a bowl team or a winning season, winning I guess. record.
0: Yeah,
1: basketball hadn't done it. Whatever. You realize? I know you've been doing it twenty years. When we went to a bowl, you know how long it had been in 08 when Coach Johnson went to the bowl. It had been fifty three years.
0: No, they went to 182. Since we won a bowl. Oh, okay, sorry. Oh, since you oh. won, yeah. 53 years, yeah. So
1: 9 years <laughs> this I showed you guys this beginning. As a fan, unfortunately this is where Vanderbilt football is. All right, 100 years, we've been to nine bowl games. That's once about every 10 years. And you can get to you can say well, what James Franklin took us to three in 3 years. You think that's going to ever happen again to where they open the pocketbooks and say here's millions and millions of dollars that the previous staff or no staff ever at Vanderbilt's ever had? If they do that, yeah, you can bring in whoever you want and we get it done. But until they do that, we're, guys, it's going to take longer to rebuild. I thought this team, and I'll say right now, I thought this team was going to a bowl because I thought the progression was there and unless we had a ton of injuries, they go to a bowl. I still don't know what this team is, except for a turnover machine. That's the only thing I've seen. So until we figure it out and have one complete football game, we are who we are.
0: And, Luke, I think that's what shocked me. I I feel like there were some issues, and all the things that we thought would be issues for them have been issues, right? But I thought winning those two at the last of the season last year pointed to culture. You could see some holes and what has happened is that every single hole we thought would be an issue has been an issue. And then a couple more popped up uh, that, that we didn't see being issues. Then you got the turnover thing and um, it, it's just a mess. I, I don't, here's the problem, Luke. I, I still see a lot of same old Vandy stuff. It's kind of like, and like, I, I don't mean to put this off. Like it's not a big deal, but yeah. I mean, yeah, when they're spending a billion dollars or whatever it's going to be in for facilities that, that that's a big freaking deal but i just still see so many elements of the same old vandy with the with the scheduling with the with the 8000 fans in the stands with the the game has changed with NIL and the portal they're slow to react i had uh i got on pretty decent information and you know the coaches don't come to me and complain about stuff i i get stuff secondhand through other places a lot of times somebody told me there's a couple of kids that are starting and i i didn't ask who but Apparently, there's a couple kids that are, I was told, were starting Saturday for top 25 teams elsewhere that wanted to come to Vandy, were in the portal, they couldn't get them into school. So it's almost like it feels to me like they put all their eggs in this facilities basket right at the time where everything's starting to change, and then all these other things are happening. you got all these other things out there that need to be addressed, and they're sitting over there going, hey, guys, but look, facilities. And I'm just going, hey, that, that that's great. That's needed. But all these other things that you need, getting an excited fan base in your stadium, and part of that's on them. If people don't want to come to the games, that's on the players and the coaches. But you could have at least done something with ticketing to be a little more aggressive to get guys in your stadium. That The portal, NIL, I, I just don't think um, – whatever their budget for NIL is, I'm confident it is 14th and probably a distant 14th in this league – you talked about plugging holes luke and trying to plug the dike they're sitting there going hey we just plugged this gaping hole over here and i'm looking at it going yeah you got 18 others over here that you yeah. you're not addressing and i i just don't see how this changes until you have a massive culture shift in other ways and that's my fear
1: yeah no it's it's legitimate fear uh, but you can we can push rewind and go back 20 years and we'd have the same conversation
0: Yeah, this this is the point at podcast season where you just kind of run out of things to say. I recognize it because I've been here about nine years in a row. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I, I I don't I I don't know what else to do at this point or what else to say.
1: Well, I will reiterate what I said. I still don't know who what this team is. They're two and three. That's what you and what you put on film is what mm-hmm. you are, obviously. But dad gummit, if we can't Go one football game. Well, let's just say one turnover and the opponents have one turnover and we don't have stupid penalties. Can we be in a football game in the fourth quarter with a chance to win? I believe we still can.
2: Yeah. And, and, you know, in football, football is such a heavy momentum sport. I mean, you saw in the middle of that Kentucky game, you know, it felt like, Chris, I mean, something, something was, you know, was changing, it felt like, but it was it was for like five minutes, and then you know it, it just it couldn't sustain any of that momentum. And when you don't get a touchdown, right? You, you could have easily made it twenty four seventeen, I think it was, uh, but instead they made it twenty four thirteen, and you're like, you know, you, you can't win with field goals here. I mean, you're not going to get back in this game with field goals now that with the turnovers that didn't even really matter, uh, but. I think if they can find some momentum offensively. We don't you're right, Luke, we don't know what this team can be. Right? I mean, say they say they play a clean game against Missouri, no turnovers, no fumbles, no you know costly penalties like the the unnecessary roughness fouls. I want to say they would they could go out and beat Missouri. Really but good. again, we don't we don't know that, you know. No? I I So that's just where we're at week. What is it? Week five. You know, we we still don't know. So that's the biggest issue. When you don't know the identity of the team you're covering or in Clark's shoes, I doubt they have a good feel of who they are. And when you don't know that in week five, that's an issue. Not saying they can't find it because you got Mizzou at home at Florida and then Georgia and then a bye. And then at Ole Miss, Auburn, at South Carolina. So it's it's buckle your chin straps and go time because there's no turning back. As James Franklin said, the boats are burning, right? I think they're you know the boats was- are here, right? <laughs> what was that?
1: I said that was scripted by him.
2: Friday. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I, I didn't know that. Oh yeah. Um but uh but yeah, I think Vanderbilt needs a little bit of that right now you know, well, somebody, somebody to just step up and say, guys, look, the boats are burning. I mean, you know, do y'all want to go two and 10, you know, do y'all want to, you know, keep this, uh, this losing stretch going and lose the last, you know, eight game of games of our season, or do you want to step up and do something about it? I, I think they're past that. I mean, you, you could have seen that against Hawaii or a and you know, I mean, they're, you're right, Chris. It's it's hard to talk about this team right now, but I just think they need somebody like that and preferably on offense to say, "Hey, guys, let's wake up. We're going to start moving the football and let's let's try to see what we can do if we play a clean game."
1: We do have an identity. It's the big the guy in the red suit and the long white beard.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Handing <laughs> out Christmas gifts, yeah.
1: Yeah, that's what we are right now. Right now it's what we are.
2: You're right. And that's not. I, a, I, sh- I mean, that's go ahead. It's not a good idea identity to have.
0: <laughs> I should have not put my mic on the mute because Oreo just howled for what? like a minute and a half straight, and I just <laughs> think that that would have probably summed it up better than I could at this point. So, but I can yeah, I can I, hear I, it through the noise canceling AirPods. So, <laughs> I thought the early
2: starts too. Luke, we got a lot of mailbag questions, Chris, and I, I think we'll probably start to get to those. But Vandy's, Vandy's first six drives, five punts and one interception. Right? I mean, you just you got to start games better. Yeah. I mean, they they just and I feel like they've struggled with that under Clark, and I don't know what to attribute that to. Um, but let's start there. You know, I mean, if if you can play a clean game, that's one thing. But you could play a clean game and still get down, you know, fourteen nothing after a couple of bad defensive drives. You know, the defense might settle in, but I think they've got they've got to find a way to start start the games better, um, and also the receivers. McGowan and Shepard were non existent. I mean, they Shepard had, let's see here, Shepard had ten targets and two catches. Right, I don't even know how many drops. He only had thirty one yards. Um. Let's see here. McGowan, five targets, no catches. I mean, you need more. So that means there's some drops in there. But the running backs, guys, I want to mention this. Just six total receiving targets to the two running backs, Smith and Alexander. Two targets for Alexander and four targets for Smith. I just think they need more of that. They need more targets to the running backs right now. You know, whether it because you don't have time, right? At least most times, you're not the offensive line has not been giving enough time. Now at times they are, but not consistently. So I think you've got to have more targets for those running backs because they haven't you haven't been able to run the ball either. So I know there's a lot, and we've got a lot of questions. But uh, Luke, I wanted to throw that out there too. I think they need uh, to throw it to the running backs a little bit more.
1: Agree with that.
2: Oh, we oh, lost, we lost Luke. Are you guys we were there? Counting. Yeah, we, there okay. we go.
1: No, wh- one thing I want to mention, it what I did like Saturday was seven catches by tight ends. I don't know how many targets there were to the tight ends, but seven catches to the mm. tight end is is a great thing I think because that's those guys more than often you have a mismatch problem. You got a linebacker on on ball or or whoever it may be that's in the game. Cameron Johnson, I like that. They got to keep doing more of that.
2: Yeah, nine targets for the three tight ends. So seven
1: catches. So that's yeah,
0: yeah. It's pretty good. Billy, I remember at we, one point I looked at you in the and I, I guess the passing game has been so bad lately, you just I'm just used to it. But I remember looking at you going, oh, Holy cow, they're nine and twenty seven throwing the ball today. Yeah, and I think it became ten of thirty and you can't win like that. I mean, in addition to the turnovers, you've got to be able to sustain something. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know. I'm not an offensive expert. Sometimes it seems like they need to find easier throws. Yeah. You got a slot guy in Jade McGowan that you you feel like should be getting some targets on the hash somewhere. I don't know what the, I mean, there were so many problems with their passing game that we could spend a Mm -hmm. whole hour on that, but that was, that was something we talked about in the press box as we watched it.
2: Yeah. Also, I want to give a shout out to Matt Hayball. Unbelievable. Um, Perform. I mean, what would they do without Hayball this year? Seven punts, 352 yards. He had a 62. Again, he's got a 60 every game. He had five inside the 20, and he was on the the Ray Guy, uh, like top eight weekly uh nomination thing. So guys, he might win the Ray Guy. Now, I don't know if he does, but because there are Kai Kroger is a really good punter as well for South Carolina. But if he keeps putting up these numbers, averaging 50 you know, putting the 62 out there, I think Hayball could, uh, could win that Ray guy. That's, that's where we've gotten, Chris, where we're, uh, we're, we're
1: analyzing the punter. Well, but you know what, you, you say that and it's true. I mean, how many times did, did he flip the field Saturday to a give us, you know, he. that's the thing. He, he, just like the interception that Swan threw into traffic, it was 24, 13. I think at the time, don't, just let, just let Matt flip the field and then you can hold him, you know, and get the football back. We don't – a punt is not always a bad thing.
2: No, no, and I, and I told you, Luke, during the postgame show, I said, Luke, this offense, and this feels sickening and weird to say, but this offense should be relieved. All right, we get to send hay ball out there. You know, I know that's that's awful. You should not be thinking it. But right now, I mean, I think that's where you got to go right now with this offense, right? I mean – you got to send Hayball out there and, you know, you just avoid a turnover. I mean, start there and then you can build off that because right now, you know, you're almost turning it over just as many times as you are punting. I mean, Hayball punted, uh, that's not true. Hayball punted seven times, but I mean, I mean, let's, let's be real here. We get to Hayball first without turning the ball over to where he can flip the field and then you can start to think about other things offensively, playing cleaner football.
1: Yeah. Punts and field goals are okay. Mm-hmm. Ready for the mailbag, Chris? Sure.
2: All right. Mailbag is sponsored by Sutherland and Belk, a family-owned injury law firm. If you or a loved one has been hurt or in an accident, give Taylor or Russell a call at 615-846-6200 to see what your rights are and if they can help. Southern and Belk have been with us from the beginning, even though I've only been here for – what is it, a few months? They've been with us for the for the, for the beginning, the whole ride. So uh, big thanks to them. Also, John Leffen and the maynard Nexon Government Contracts Group brings us our guest line. That is Luke Wyatt. Uh, maynard Nexon advises government contractors on all aspects of their businesses with a proud focus on matching legal solutions to business needs. Give them a call at 256-551-0171. All right, we got a lot here. And, and luckily, I got this out early. Got this out when I got back home yesterday. So let's start with a good one. Uh, e Steddle three. Will number eight Ken Seals play most of the game against Missouri? I'll start. I, I think my my gut tells me, and I started this during the Kentucky game. I, I had a feeling in the back of my head, and a lot of this is you know the, that feeling in the back of your head can be true because it's your your gut instinct, your gut. My gut told me that Ken Seals is going to play. And I think he'll start. I I just, I think Swan was probably at 60% the whole Kentucky game. And he was probably down to about 20 or 30% after that last little nick on his elbow. Um, I don't know if y'all saw that, but got a chance to rewatch that. And, and, you know, D Lyman just kind of nicked the elbow a little bit and, you know, Swan was, was down and it just didn't look good. So, I think health wise, number one, he probably can't and shouldn't play. But performance wise, I, I think, you know, say he wasn't hurt, I think they would still might they might still consider a change. Um, so yeah, I I most of the game, yeah. Now if Seals gets hurt, you never know. Do you send out a a forty percent swan or do you put Dickie or Taylor out there? I mean, it gets really hairy if Seals gets hurt. Um but yes, I do think
1: you'll see seals on Saturday. I think both of y'all agree, right? Yeah, I agree with that. I think Ken will start. I don't, I don't know that for sure, but I, I don't think, I think it'd be a good thing either way because even if AJ's able to play, he needs to, he needs to stand over there and watch for a, for a game. Yeah,
0: this is one thing I I just do not get with coaches across the board. So this one is not named aimed at, at Clark Lee or anybody in particular. This is a this is a sports wide issue. Every team's got backups at every position other than maybe kicker. Like, if you're an NFL team, you're probably not carrying a backup kicker. But other than that, everybody's got a backup. And when when a guy's not playing well and you see signs of injury, and I, I think you saw that, Bill, I pointed out to you, first quarter, Swan comes off the field, left arm's up, right arm's dragging behind him. Uh, You've you seen him mm-hmm. favoring that elbow. Several times. several times, Chris. Almost every time that he walked off, he was – he was yeah. walking off gingerly. I I don't know what the number is for for AJ Swan if he's if he's five percent healthy or he's ninety five percent healthy. But but I'm sure it's somewhere in there. It's not a hundred percent. It's not zero percent. But whatever the number is, <clears throat> the product it just it's not working. And right. how you look at it and say this guy at X percent is better than our backup at I would presume close to hundred percent because. He's not playing much in games, and he's not, I would think, getting hit a lot in practice. So I I never have understood that. You will see coaches in a lot of sports continue to roll guys out there at less than 100% when they're not playing well. Then everybody blames injuries later. I'm like, hey, how how do we get here? Uh, It feels to me like when, when you reach that point where health is a concern and performance is clearly lagging, you're doing everybody, including the guy you're throwing out there a disservice, by continuing to roll them out there, so I think we're going to see a lot of conceals Saturday.
1: Let me ask you guys a co- a quick question: If 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 he was healthy, one hundred percent, but his performance has been what it's been, when would you have benched AJ Swan?
2: Probably, probably after UNLV. Um, but then yeah, again, I, I don't know. That's that's what I would say. Um, you very easily could have probably made that decision earlier. Um, I think they also think they're in the position that Swan, you know, it's like you can't live with them sometimes, but you also can't live without them. I thought the UNLV game was a perfect example of that. Um, now Seals, when he went in, um, he, he had no clue. Probably he was going to have to go in. I know, you know, Swan had gotten banged up there, um, but you saw Seals go in and immediately miss a wide open touchdown to McGowan. <laughs> and you're like, Okay. Now that's one possession. And then Swan leads this team back into the game. So a little bit of it is can't live with him, can't live without him. Uh, But at the same time, when, when he has been that destructive, especially in the Kentucky game, I think the Kentucky game was sort of a stamp of, okay, you know, whether he's hurt or not, you know, a change probably has to be made. Um, But yeah, go ahead, Chris.
0: Well, my, my answer would be sometime probably between the halftime of the Wake Forest game, which just seemed to be a little aggressively early. And I thought, at minimum, the latest you could have gone was halftime of the Kentucky game. I was a little surprised that Ken Seals or somebody else wasn't starting the second half. I thought at that point, I didn't know what else you needed to see. Uh, maybe you could say halftime of the UNLV game and, and pick your midpoint there. But I think Ken came out of the third quarter uh, for that UNLV game, lost a fumble that went the other way and, and looked a little disjointed and nervous. But, look, what you're doing is you're also asking a guy that's barely played for two years, hey, kid, here's your moment. That's a lot of pressure on a kid in that moment. Yeah, uh, yeah. A.J. Swan got a lot longer leash than he did. And, and, Billy, you know this. And, look, here's the other thing. I'm not in practice. Maybe Ken Seals is throwing five picks a day in practice. I, I highly doubt it. But you and I went to a lot of fall camp. I thought Ken was the most accurate quarterback they had in terms of of staying away from interceptions. I thought that last year, too.
1: Um, Mm -hmm.
0: All I can go by is what I see in practice, and this I'm not trying to to bash AJ Swan here. Sometimes kids just go through slumps and need to sit and and work it out. It happens with hitters in baseball. I just kind of feel like that between that and the health, that's where we are. And, And from what I've seen of Ken, I know people have written him off. I've seen enough in practice with consistency to feel like Hey, maybe, maybe there's an answer there. Maybe you got to get past the nerves and the pressure to get to it, but I, I don't know that it's out of the realm of imposs- of possibility uh, that, that we see solid play from, from Ken going forward. I, I, I've i seen it in practice.
2: Yeah. W- with a full week of practice as him, as the starter, right. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I'm, I'm guessing that's, that, that, that's what we're, what we're looking at here, but, Seals started 16 games during the 2020 and 21 seasons. So he has played a good bit of football, just not super recently, right? I mean, last year he didn't play at all. He's had a strange career. And, you know, for him to still be at Vandy, I think says something, number one, about him, his journey, but also number two, about this program and and the type of kid that uh, that Clark attracts. And I think this could be this could be a special end of the season. I, I Potentially right now. it They could go two and 10, not win another game, but I really do think Ken Seals could, could, could put his name into, into Vanderbilt lore. If he goes out, say, say he leads this team and, and they look a whole lot better. Now, again, that's the positive, right? That's, that's the, the top of this mountain. The bottom of it is Vanderbilt continues to struggle, you know, they They turn the ball over. I think there's some potential here though. um obviously we'll be we'll be tracking that. Clark will talk tomorrow, and uh, we'll see if there's any final statement on on Swan's status and whether whether seals might go. But this will be interesting and and Luke, we talked about it with with seals. he's he's a veteran guy. I think right now they need a veteran leader offensively.
1: yeah, I, you know this game kind of reminds me of when we played played Missouri and Mo Hassan came in and yeah beat. that's the kind of thing you hope can happen saturday one other quick question i know we gotta go back to the mailbag who do you think's the backup is it dickie is it taylor
0: is it? i'll give you my opinion time. i've i've thought that drew dickie He's gotten overlooked. I know that everybody comes to practice and looks at Walter Taylor and says, Man, look at that big left arm. And I get it. Um, you know, two years from now, we may be talking about Walter Taylor as the the savior of Vanderbilt football, for all I know. But I saw a lot of mistakes. I thought Dickey was just a solid guy, guys. Doesn't make a lot of mistakes, probably the best runner of the group. Um, he, I mean, between the, the skills with Taylor, all the stuff with Swan. The fact that Seals has is, is started for a year and a half, I think that Drew Dickey gets overlooked, and I have always wondered what would that look like if he got a little bit of game time.
2: Right? Yeah, and Dickey, he's he was that that second guy during fall camp, or at least third guy, you know, in in the rotation. But it'll be interesting. I don't think the staff wants to get there with uh, oh. <laughs> with that backup. Um, all right. Five games into the season. This is from Raiders, nineteen sixty-seven. What offensive and defensive players are the most positive surprises? Um, well, I'll go. I'll approach this as more of pleasant surprise. So maybe maybe a guy that we didn't really expect, um, you know, to come out here and, and play as well as he has. I'll go offensively. London Humphreys. Uh, you know, early in the season. You know, he really popped. Uh, especially against Wake Forest, uh, UNLV as well. Twelve catches, 299 yards, and three touchdowns. He's averaging 25 yards per catch, which is a pretty incredible number. Um, and then defensively, I'll go Savion Riley. Uh, Riley has looked good, and I didn't really expect Chris. We saw him in fall camp, and you know, um, he's a sophomore, and we thought he might play a little bit more, but he's played more than I expected and has played well. 18 tackles as a sophomore and he didn't play last week. I think they're hoping to get him back against Missouri, but I would go Humphreys and then Riley. Uh Luke, what say you? Uh
1: I agree with London. Uh, I don't think that thing that's a no brainer. And on defense, I would uh, a kid who's really uh stood out to me is Longwell.
2: Uh, that was going to be my second option. Yeah.
0: Billy, Chris, you, you took the two that I was going to name. Yeah. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, and
2: they're and they're young guys, right? I think that's uh, that that can be positive uh, for this team. Let's see here. Poor Vandy fan six one five. Which of our injured players do we realistically expect to get back and when? Well, I said it at the top. Um, Christian James, I don't think will be back against Missouri. You could get Riley and or Wright back from Missouri. I think Ricky Wright will be back. Whether Riley's back or not, I don't know. Swan my gut tells me he won't play. Trudel Barry apparently is questionable as well. Uh, not sure about him. Again, Clark will be talking tomorrow. I don't know if y'all y'all know anything else, but you know, th- this is as small of the of an injury report as they've had all year. I mean, I think, you know, that could be a positive. Mahoney and Anderson are probable, so you know, I think this defense starts to get to s- some guys healthy, you start to see it play a little bit better. Uh but that's what I would say to that right now. Let's see here. All right, Colombiano door. What would the SEC points-per-game differential and win-loss conference record have to be in order for each of you to move on from Clark? If there is a no scenario, even if we lose by 28 a game the rest of the way, please go on record as saying so. Um, Well, first off, move on from Clark. I, I don't think that's happening anytime soon, so... Uh, I know that was a big part of your question but SEC points per game differential um I th- I think you know, you look at Kentucky what what was that Chris that final score 45 lost 28 by
0: 17
2: yeah lost by 17 and I think Luke this another thing you mentioned to me after the post game you said Vanderbilt ha- is 0 and 5 o and 5 against the spread this year that means they're losing by more than Vegas expected them to lose by so that's something I don't think can 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 and should continue, because if it does, like I said, number one, two and ten can be destructive. Uh, but if it's if it's a if it's a bad, boring two and ten, I think that can be even more destructive. So if you're able to salvage, maybe maybe finish with three, four, and or five, and God forbid six, I, th- I just think that helps you a lot more. But points per game differential, I think that's a good question because if you go back in the season and say Vanderbilt never covered, I think that's a little bit of an indictment just to say, well, I mean, you know, you weren't in the game.
1: Well, when you talk about getting rid of coaches, all you have to do is historically look at where Vanderbilt is. Vanderbilt, Jack Green was here four years in the 60s, and Rod Dowhower was here for two years. Everybody else has gotten at least five years. And I think at Vanderbilt, you need at least five years unless you're doing something obviously wrong like Rod Dahlhauer was. So anybody that thinks Clark's getting fired after this year, they're way off base.
0: I I would answer maybe this is sidestepping the question. Um, I still see a lot of things in Clark that I think can work. There's a lot of questions about coordinating, play calling. Do they have the right assistance? I think those are fair questions at this point. Um, I I think Clark has probably got to spend some time in, in the offseason looking at the mirror, saying, Am I enabling something in a culture? Um, because I, I think he's done I think he's done a lot of the right stuff, but I think Clark also has got to get more aggressive and asking for stuff that he needs. I look at NIL didn't make them turn the ball over nine times and, and put the other team in very advantageous spots eight times. Right. But there's also this, guys. Um, other than that UNLV game, even if the turnovers you take a couple away, they still may not win either of those games, right? They still probably lose to Kentucky, and, and they might lose to Wake. So it tells me you, it's it's you've got progress to make beyond that, right? Yeah. And, and, and maybe, maybe, look, maybe, maybe Clark Lee year three at Vandy and Mark Stoops year nine at Kentucky or whatever. Kentucky should be further along. Easier to get kids in school and stuff like that. But I'm I'm just saying we named I named a half dozen things off the top of the show that that I think still need to change around the culture of Vanderbilt football. Luke, I think you said it best. Uh, Clark's got to take, start taking responsibility for some of those things, like the schedule and and putting them in position to win. Whether it's making more aggressive asks or whatever, so I'm not ready to to throw Clark Lee off onto the bonfire um, if they lose the rest of the season. If you see him making some improvements, but I do think. Um, Oreo. I, I think Oreo just said it. Continuing to do the same thing, Oreo's excited over and over, uh, w- without <laughs> you know, and expect things to be different. It's a little bit of insanity. So, well, Oreo wants Excuse Oreo me.
2: wants the ice cream.
0: Oreo, you well, guys, have- this is, this is every day. I mean, this is not. This is just. This is my life every day. You, you can hear it. <laughs> uh, you know, last
1: year again, I go back to last year. A lot of people on the board were saying fire Clark Lee <laughs> before we beat Kentucky and Florida, right? I, go ahead, Luke. I'm, I'm just laughing. No, I, I was just saying last year, I, some of these same people were on the board were saying fire Clark Lee last year, and then we beat Kentucky and Florida.
2: Exact,
1: exactly. Exactly. All against Tennessee. Now, obviously, we all know, how do, but we yeah. expect because we're not close to that. That's Tennessee.
0: Here. Yeah, yeah. Or <laughs> do we just? I'm just letting that play for effect at this point. We we could just do a whole podcast of and, him and let him and let him howl, and that might sum it up as well as we can. I mean, that's just kind of where we are.
2: <laughs> I love it, Chris. Let me let me mention this. Going back to Mark Stoops' career at Kentucky, at Kentucky, right? Started year one, two, and ten. Year two, five, and seven. Year three, five, and seven, he didn't get to a bowl at Kentucky until year four. Mark Stoops did so,
0: and and that's a similar spot. Kentucky Vandy hey, football for a long time. Billy, was, here's and here's here's another thing that's right in front of us. What what does Kentucky do every year? Kentucky, Kentucky plays three four games every year. Yeah, well, three because they always play Louisville, and sometimes that game is is tough, right. and sometimes it's not, but. I'm telling you that there there are multiple things that are sitting right in front of us That's that the strategy. that should and have to be answered and and these should these would be obvious at any other athletic department in the country. and And at Vanderbilt, you get the well, but we're different and well, this and well that well, this and well, that has gotten you decades of misery and And at some point it's got to change, guys. I mean, we 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 can't sit here and it, they have culpability, but you cannot expect them to thread this delicate needle where the eye of the thing has gotten smaller just in the past two or three years. And again, they, they got some culpability for some stuff, but until but some of these things that are obvious start to get acted on, and, and they, they should have been acted on years ago, but they weren't. Um, I, I just, I think we're continue going to continue to have some of the, uh, of the same, types of podcasts we've had for for a while now
2: here's another good one from colombiano door this is specifically for luke in what ways does clark need to be better than the bobby johnson era and coached
1: differently than he did i mean i know what he's doing there we had a little tit for tat on the i got involved with something with a guy vandy Fitz or something a comment he made about bobby johnson and this is Columbia. Out of the door came to his defense. So let's let me get this out straight. So I'm not I'm not going to dance around anything. That's who I am. I know what you're trying to say because you didn't like Bobby Johnson either. So Bobby Johnson again. We've been to uh, nine bowl games. He broke the the losing streak to Tennessee. We hadn't beaten them in 22 years. He did that. He took us to a bowl game. He won a bowl game. And he developed it the best way he could within where the athletic department was supporting him. We all want to dump on these coaches and say, oh, well, he doesn't know what he's doing. Fire him, fire that guy didn't know what he was doing. He kept his coordinators too long. When you have a budget for assistant coaches that was the same as MTSU's budget, you can't make changes. You can't, you say, well, go hire a great offensive coordinator, go hire a great defensive coordinator. How are you going to do that when the athletic department doesn't give you enough money to buy pens and pencils? I mean, it was literally that type of thing for Bobby Johnson. And if you don't believe me, I don't know what else to tell you. I lived it. I was there. So first of all, the Columbiana door, you can go ahead and be a hater and be a negative Nelly or whatever you want to call yourself. Clark Lee and Bobby Johnson are two different people. They're both good men. I know that much, uh, but again, until until the fifth year rolls around, Clark Lee's not going anywhere. I don't know if it answered his question, but I know what he's trying to get at. Yeah,
2: yeah. All right, m uh, e m e h username. Uh, love the podcast. Give us more. Well, that's what we're trying to do. Uh, number one, any chance we see A J Newberry this season? His film looks elite. Uh, I think you know we've talked about him. He he hasn't played. I don't think um, I've seen him in warmups and, and he's been, he's been practicing. He was, you know, he, he looked good in the scrimmages in fall camp. I just think he's, you know, he's a about a year away from probably contributing. Um, you know, he's just, he's, he's got to get older. He's got to get, you know, form some maturity. And I, I do think he's going to be a good player though. I mean, he's, I think they think he's their He's their guy for the future, their home run guy that, you know, that they can look at and kind of give the ball to. Uh, when, when they when they need it, um, number two in the UK broadcast, the announcer suggested that Will Shepherd was taking plays off. What are your thoughts after seeing his play on Saturday? Um, I I've seen that at times. I mean, we know Will Shepard We you know we, we've we know the type of player and, and personality he exudes on the field. Um, yeah, I we we saw the 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 unnecessary roughness or extracurricular after the Hawaii touchdown where he stepped over the player. And, um, you know, when, when Shepard scores a touchdown, he's, he'll usually let you know about it. Uh, But when he's, when he's not playing well, he'll, he'll usually let you know about it as well with his body language. Um, And I've, I've seen that with him the past few years. I think that's just kind of the player he is. Um, Now, whether that hurts his NFL stock, I don't know. You know, is that something they watch? I'm sure it is. Uh, but what did what did y'all think? Did y'all see anything with that? I mean, the drops and everything. It just felt like it kept compounding for him.
1: Uh Chris, you mentioned a, a while ago at the press conference yesterday, he mentioned about putting some guys on notice. In my opinion, Will's one of those guys.
0: That is exactly what I was about to say. And I don't I don't have evidence of it, but I mean, there were guys on our board talking about it looked like he was loafing. I, I was Look, in a football game, you got your eyes are going a lot of different places and you can miss something that's obvious. But th- that that got noticed at places. And again, you you could go back and listen to that press conference pretty clearly. It was clear that he was talking to somebody or somebody's. And I, I don't think it was just his quarterback and his receiver. It might be, you know, guys that are continuing to commit stupid personal fouls and stuff like that, too. I, I think that I think that was a broad brush that probably covered a, a lot of folks.
1: Yeah. All
2: right, let's go to Go ninety four. Is the offense performing similarly in the games compared to what you guys saw in fall camp? I'll say this: No. (laughs) I mean, you know, obviously it's Vanderbilt on Vanderbilt, right? So, you know they're they're gonna look better, Uh, but I mean, Chris, offensively, we saw deep shots. We saw that now the running game. I will say that looks pretty similar. I, you know, the running game hasn't changed a whole lot. Uh, I, I don't think in fall camp they were able to get a ton of push. Um, but the offensive line, I think pass protection looked better. Now you're facing Vanderbilt, you're facing Vanderbilt's defensive linemen, and I think it might even be more of an indictment on that front seven that they did look that good. Um, Swan, I mean, yeah, he had time. So he did look better in fall camp, <laughs> you know? So I just overall, no uh, running game looks the same, but I mean, Chris, offensively and, and Luke, I know you were there too. Um, pass protection looks totally different between fall camp and what we've seen here in the games.
1: Right. Well, what, what coaches do in camp, and I know this because of sitting staff meetings, uh, but of course in my day, we had two-a-days, so They would like to – they want to create a balance. They know what they got pretty much after a week or so of camp. You may not know. you just worry about depth after that. But what they want to do, they don't want one side of the ball to dominate during practices because that automatically you're going to lose confidence on one side of the ball. So they will create situations to make one practice where the offense looks good, one practice where the defense looks good. They try to keep a balance. That's just for the psyche of the football team. Then they know, hey, going into the season, we got to block it this way. We got to use a guy to chip or whatever because the line's just not that good. Um, in this case, I don't know. I agree with you. I I'm very disappointed in the pass blocking, picking up twist, being just kind of non-athletic. Is, maybe there was a, one. There there was there was one Hanson
2: and and Stinchcomb did a good job. He was an offensive lineman at Georgia, so he's he's really good with the offensive lineman. There was one Gunner Hanson didn't even move. I mean, he didn't even get out of his stance. So, oh. it just, yeah, it, it's been pretty glaring. Chris, I think you're
0: same. Yeah, um, I, I would say this. No, it, it didn't look like that in practice, but part of it was they protected better. And, and you see what happens when Vanderbilt tries to get a three- and four-man rush with its defensive front. Well, their offensive line could block that and fall. Now it's different. But the thing is that – my my concern with AJ Swan was the talent's always been there. I thought that he played better in games last year than he did in practice. The mistakes would show up in practice, and there seemed to be some kind of governor that when he got to games, he might not try as much mm-hmm. of risky throws and things like that that we saw sometimes in practice. Some like when he got to games, like okay, I know not to do that. Unfortunately, that part of his game where you see it in practice, and we saw it again this fall, he started to translate to game day. You guys are seeing it. And so in, in that respect, yes, I, I did just didn't think much of their running game, period. Um, even in fall camp, they didn't run the ball particularly well. You're seeing that show up now too. So unfortunately, it's one of the things that the, the things they did well, um, maybe we got other explanations now and, and the things we were concerned about are showing up just because of ability and habit. All
2: right, last one. Knoxville door asks, um oh, I just lost it, accidentally x out of it. Uh okay, I, I remember his question. He asked, um asked what would it take for Clark Lee to win back more of the fan base uh this season? Because he said it feels like people are jumping ship and jumping ship pretty fast. Um and I'll start, I think I said it earlier, I think for a lot of fans, it just takes one SEC win. You saw it last year. That Kentucky win, I think, worked wonders. Number one, it broke the streak, you know, 26-game losing streak in the conference. Um, You beat a ranked team on the road, right? I don't think anyone saw that coming last year in Lexington, no one. And then the next week, heading into that Florida game, it was like, oh, they can't do it again. You know, you got a good Florida team coming in. All of a sudden, Florida, the wheels have fallen off and Vanderbilt beats them. So, I think they can do it again. I, I really do. Obviously, they've got to change some things. Maybe it doesn't happen this week. Maybe it happens Auburn at home. Maybe they pick off South Carolina. You know, I i really do think the SEC is that topsy-turvy that, you know, we don't know much about the league. We still don't know much about this Vanderbilt team if they play clean for four quarters. So, I just think get one. Get one, and I think you'll get a good chunk come back. If you win two, you start to kind of put layers on top. But, Luke, I think get one. You know, start there. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of people that have jumped after UNLV might jump right back.
1: Well, it's – yeah, I I, I agree with that. I mean, what you just said a while ago just reminded me of something. The 26-game losing streak, people don't realize what a burden that is on a coach and a football team. Mm. You have no idea. I went through it twice or, or that. And, and then we had one in the seventies from 1976 to 1981, when we didn't want a conference game. So that was five years of no conference. That was six. You only played six conference games then. And I remember when we broke that in 81, that springboarded us to the 82 bowl team. Uh, that this is not going to springboard us to a bowl for next year. I don't think because of the schedule, but if you could get a couple of these wins, I know we're, Probably not going to go to a bowl now, but if you get a couple more wins this year and you quit looking like a comedy of errors out there, that's the two things that's got to happen. People just, it's like anything else. They want to be entertained and they want a decent product. I don't have a problem with that. And uh, it's going to take that until they come back.
0: Yeah, I think Luke basically nailed it there. I think you need a win, maybe a win or two, and and, and don't get beat by 50 by Tennessee. And, you know, do do something where you're more yeah. competitive and, and you know, maybe it's a game after halftime. Don't just, don't look like roadkill, um, you know, where you're getting 80, 80 yards and the other team's getting 600. I, I think something that people can believe in that's their, their, Evidence of, of improvement, uh, I think, is what they need. Now, you you go and lose out, and, and you lose all of them by double digits, uh, I think they're going to have problems.
2: You mentioned that Tennessee game in Knoxville, last game of the season, Chris. That would turn the tide, number one, if you can beat them. I know that's a long shot, big-time long shot. But if you go in there and fight, compete, <laughs> that's that's a team that Vanderbilt fans, obviously, number one, if you're able to beat them. That's, that's what Coach Mason was able to do. And for that three four year period, Coach Mason, he had a lot of the fans. Man, I mean, he they were on him because he was beating Tennessee, right? He was beating Tennessee, uh, and then of course it unraveled. But I, I think that's where it starts for most Vandy fans. If you go to Knoxville, compete, fight your butt off, you know, I think that that's something uh, I think fans can look forward to potentially. Uh, we'll see how Tennessee does the rest of the season, but um, yeah, it, it all starts with one win and then you try to build off of that
0: Gentlemen, let's do parting thoughts and, and get out of here I'll start with Billy then Luke and then I'll end it
2: yeah Chris Missouri obviously we'll have the pregame show uh, coming out Friday uh, should be a good one uh, Missouri is is ranked now and and, and they're a team that Clark Lee obviously knows well last year they they got down 17 nothing and Vanderbilt clawed back into the game and you know, they, they couldn't they couldn't close it out Um But it's the same situation as last week, right? They've got weapons. They've got a good, strong D-line. I mean, you know, we're talking about the same stuff every week now, right? That's where we are in this season. And, yeah, it's a bad thing after games. But it's not necessarily a bad thing before games, right? This hasn't changed, right? Play clean football and you know, do what you can on defense. You'll give yourself a shot in the fourth quarter. Hasn't changed. Um, now, it needs to change what we talk about after the games, right? Our post-game shows should be changing, Luke, right? Um, unfortunately, I yeah. won't be able to be there. What was that? No more Andy
1: Griffith reruns. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that was awesome. Somebody clipped it and posted it. But um, but no, I, I mean, it, it hasn't changed. Uh, the The tone needs to change how we talk about this team after games but it hasn't changed before games, you know, that this team, they got to take care
1: of the football. Yeah, well, I, I, there's nothing to add to that. That's exactly what has to happen, and I said it before, what well, I said last week, and until we do that, we have no idea how good or how bad we are until that happens.
0: All right, uh, as we've established, I've been doing this for nine years, and, and we're getting to the point where it's kind of repetitive, and you're just – you kind of out of stuff to say, but I'm going to give you a a story from my personal life right now. And and I use it as jumping off point to illustrate some things. We are going through some stuff with my, my nine-year-old son right now. I mean, cannot get him to do basic things. Getting him out of bed every, every day is, is a chore. Love the kid with all my heart. Spent the weekend with him when I wasn't covering football had a great time with them. And then, and, you know, you think everything's great and then, you know, you wake up on Tuesday morning and and I swear I could have run a marathon easier than I got him to the school bus stop. I mean, just basic things. We've laid out expectations and and compliance has been just about non-existence. Well, I, I, I hit a point yesterday where I'd had enough and and he comes home from school and he gets off the bus and like, buddy, you're grounded. Uh, we're not, we're not putting up with that anymore. And and I'd, i let some stuff probably go too far with him. Um, and boy, he did not like it and, and boy, I heard about it, but you know what? Does does it mean, does it mean I hate my son? Of course not. Um, you, you call out things as you see them that need to be fixed and you, you, you do your best. You put one foot forward. You don't always know the answers, uh, especially when you're in the middle of, of horrible times where just, it all seems to be coming unglued. And, yeah, I've done this a while. Um, I'm sort of the, the the critical guy around these parts, I guess. But the thing I always say is, hey, g- give me something to talk about that's better, and I will. Um, again, nine years of the podcast, no winning seasons in football, no NCAA tournament wins in basketball. You're limited to what you cover. So, having said that, um, yeah, I mean, I, I I really have as much respect for Clark Lee and Barton Simmons and some of those guys over there. Uh, is anybody I've ever covered really do like them. You kind of root for good people in this business, uh, whether the ones you cover or they're elsewhere, because there aren't enough of them in sports. And I really like those guys. Wish them all the luck in the world. So uh, the critical stuff I'm, I'm saying, uh, it's, it's not personal to anybody, but at the same time, when you look up every week and the same stuff starts popping up, uh, fans are complaining about the same things. If you continue to do things the way that you're doing them, you're going to continue to get similar results. And so I'm interested to see if, if they can dig down and get something different, not just for this week, but for going forward. Again, we we have outlined so many things that I think need to change for them to have their best shot to win. You know, look, if you're Vanderbilt and everybody's starting from the same place, you still got all this history and tradition to overcome that people are going to use against you in recruiting. So you cannot start out. If everybody start out here, Vanderbilt starting out way below the screen. And I see things that continue to compound that are making it harder for them to win. Um, you know, I, I hope that they figure some of these things out uh, on the field, off the field, whatever, but um, yeah, hopefully we'll see something change to where we're, we're doing a different podcast at some point, but all, all that to say, it's not personal towards anybody or anything I just, I just see the same things we've been talking about for years. And for, for this to take a step forward, some stuff's going to need to change. And Chris, maybe, maybe David and Vandy change at the same
2: time. How, how crazy would that be? I mean, that maybe, maybe David hey. starts, uh,
0: starts changing a little bit and, and and all of a sudden Vanderbilt gets a win. Well, I, you know, I said some stuff that needed to be said last night and at the end of it, I gave him a, a, a big hug before he we went to bed and we, we, we went to bed on the right foot. He got up this morning. Uh, it was a different morning. He he got to go. the school bus. He gave me a hug and, and we moved on and I'm sure there's going to be a rough patch again, but, but you do your best. Um, you point out things that need to change and and hope that people take care of that. And again, that's, that's just kind of a good analogy with where I am with the football program. I don't want to see him fail. I don't, there's a lot of good guys over there and, I mean, God knows if if they got rid of Clark Lee tomorrow, you could get another James Franklin. I know James won games, but just the respect that I have for him as a human being is is low, Uh, and I think Luke would agree with me on that. You want to see good people do things, but you can't continue to do things the way they're doing and expect things to be different. So we'll see what we get going forward. I I do think they can beat Missouri. Missouri has won its three FBS games by, what, 13 points against – Memphis, yeah. look, look at last States. week against Memphis. Memphis. Yeah, I mean it's 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 there, but but it cannot be the recipe we have seen, and, and expect the result to be different. So I'm, I'll be interested to see what we get Saturday.
2: If if middle can cover Vandy, can so I think I think <laughs> right. we can expect at least a cover. You no, know, no disrespect to middle. You know, yeah. I know you said they once used to have the same budget, Luke, but I, I again I, I think. <clears throat> That's
0: incredible. We need to have a podcast on that one day. Uh, need- boy, yeah. <laughs> well, gentlemen, appreciate both of you. Appreciate our sponsors. Uh, appreciate our audience. Um, yeah, I, I think we've we've said it all today. We'll be back. Uh, Billy will have the pregame show, I guess, out Thursday or Friday. Uh, the postgame show, you will not be that for that. There for that, Billy. So we'll figure out how we're going to do that between Luke and Joey and I, and then I'll be back on the podcast. Uh, in addition to that one, hopefully I'll be back next week. So anyway, thanks to everybody for watching and listening. This has been the Vanity P- sports podcast, and we'll see you again soon.